So, so far we have learnt in these verses that there are some people who are called to the book of Allah so that they gain guidance from the book of Allah. But what is their reaction? They turn away. They're not interested. And why is it that they turn away? Because it's their fabrications in their religion, it's their innovations in their religion which have deceived them. Because of which they think that no matter what they do, whether they follow the deen properly or not, they will be fine. They will go to Jannah. They will be successful in the Akhirah. And because of this false belief, they tamper with the verses of the scripture, they alter them, they change them, they misinterpret them, they fabricate lies in their religion. So Allah questions, فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جَمَعْنَاهُمْ So how will it be when we assemble them? When? لِيَوْمِ اللَّا فِيهِ For a day about which there is no doubt. كَيْفَ كَيْفَ is used for asking a question to ask about the quality or the condition of something that how is it and sometimes kaifa is also used for the purpose of exclamation it is to show the enormity of that which is being mentioned that how will it be fakaifa how will they be meaning fakaifa yakunu haluhum how will their state be what will their state be how will their predicament be when إِذَا جَمَعْنَاهُمْ When we will gather them. جَمَعْنَا From جَمْعْ جِينْ مِمَعِينْ That when we will gather all of these people, including those who have fabricated lies in their religion, when we will gather them, لِيَوْمٍ For a day. What does it mean by for a day? Meaning for the hisab of the day. For the accounting on the day of judgment. And لِيَوْمٍ For has also been understood as فِي يَوْمٍ so lamb over here gives meaning of fee. First of all, what does it mean? Lihisabiyum for the hisab of that day. Secondly, fiyum. That when we will gather them on that day, which day? La fihi, in which there is no doubt. There is no doubt in the occurrence of this day, in the coming of this day. They are certain that the day of judgment is going to come. And this day of judgment, إِذَا وَقَعَتِ الْوَاقِعَةِ When the occurrence occurs, لَيْسَ لِوَقَعَتِهَا كَاذِبَ There is at its occurrence no denial. There is no doubt in the coming of this day. So how will be the condition of those people who have fabricated lies in their religion? How will their condition be on the day of judgment? And in the previous verses, we learned that those people who disbelieve in the ayat of Allah, who kill the prophets of Allah, who kill those people, who command them to do that which is right. So, how will their condition be on the day of judgment? When their hisab is being taken, when they are being questioned, why did you do this? What was the basis of this? What gave you the authority to do this? What will their predicament be on that day? Especially because, وَوُفِّيَتْ And it will be given in full. وَفِّيَتْ from وَوْفَيَةْ it will be given in full. Kullu nafsin, every nafs, every person will be given in full. What will it be given in full? Ma kasabat, everything that it earned. Meaning every person will be given the recompense of all that it did, all that it acquired. Wahum la yuzlamun, and they will not be wronged at all. We learned earlier in Surah Al-Baqarah, laha ma kasabat. Every person will get what it strove for And it will bear the responsibility Of that sin Which it acquired as well
So on the day of judgment, it's not the long hopes, it's not the wishes, it's not the assumptions that are going to help a person. What is it that's going to help a person? His actions. His actions are going to be seen. What he did are going to be checked. His actions are going to be checked. Not what he thought and what he hoped for, what he longed for, what he wished for. لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ وَعَلَيْهَا مَكْتَسَبَتْ Many people, they don't do anything when it comes to religion. And they base their success in the hereafter on wishful thinking. Or they do a little bit and they're content with those few actions. That I have done hajj. I give my zakat. I follow all the obligations and that's it. I don't need to do anything extra. I give my zakat. I don't need to give any sadaqah. وَوُفِّيَتْ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ On that day, when each and every action will be paid for, will be requited for, on that day a person will wish he had done something better. He had done something. And he had not just based his akhirah on wishes and hopes. We see, we have learned earlier, that the reward for one good deed that a person does, it is multiplied. One sadaqah that a person gives, one habba, it multiplies into 700. وَاللَّهُ يُضَاعِفُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وُفِّيَتْ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ For one good deed, the recompense is multiplied. For one sin, the recompense is its equal. And look at how the ayah ends. وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ And they will not be wronged at all. What does it mean by this? That the people will not be wronged. No zulm will be done. This can be understood in several ways. That first of all, no good deeds will be reduced. That a person has done some good deeds, he has performed some good deeds, and there are no sins that wipe off those good deeds. So those good deeds will definitely be there, they will not be reduced. Obviously if a person has done some actions which have wasted his good deeds, that's understood. But other than that, his good deeds will not be reduced. Secondly, the bad deeds that he has done, they will not be increased, they will not be multiplied. Whatever sins a person has done, he will be punished for only those, not more than that. Similarly, if someone else has done something wrong, you will not be held accountable for the wrong deed. وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ Nobody will be treated with injustice. Why? Because وَلَا يَظْلِمُ رَبُّكَ أَحَدًا Your Lord does not do injustice to anyone at all. What do we learn from the Hadith Qudsi? That, يَا عِبَادِي O my servants, I have إِنِّي حَرَّمْتُ الظُّلْمَ عَلَى نَفْسِي I have made injustice haram upon myself. وَجَعَلْتُهُ بَيْنَكُمْ مُحَرَّمًا And I have also made it unlawful amongst you. فَلَا تَظَالَمُوا So do not oppress one another. Do not do injustice upon one another. So Allah does not do injustice upon anyone. And on the day of judgment, when everyone will be recompensed for the good or the bad that they have done, there will be no injustice. What does it show? That any action, anything that a person has done, he will get the jaza for it. He will get the recompense for it. And Allah is questioning us. فَكَيْفَ How will it be? Just imagine that day. How will it be? How will your state be? How will your condition be? When every single action that you've done, it will be checked. It will be observed. And then every person will be recompensed for that action. When we base our success, our akhirah on wishes, on wishful thinking, the wishful thinking is not going to help. It's the actions that will help. Recitation.
If we just imagine that day before we do anything or before we leave anything, then how will I be? Will I need this good deed? Would I wish that I had not committed this action? If only we imagine that day. فَكَيْفَ إِذَا جَمَعْنَاهُمْ لِيَوْمِ اللَّهُ رَيْبَ It's a day about which there is no doubt. It's definitely coming. وَوُفِّيَتْ كُلُّ نَفْسٍ مَا كَسَبَتْ Every person will be given exactly what they deserve. مَا كَسَبَتْ وَهُمْ لَا يُظْلَمُونَ And they will not be wronged at all. What lesson do we learn from this ayah? Don't waste your time. Because this dunya, this life, is going to be over soon. And the time that we have been given over here today, in this life, is so that we can earn our akhirah. If we spend this entire time just wishing and thinking and hoping, without doing anything, what's going to happen on that day to us? We're not going to get more chances to come back to the dunya and do what we want to do. This is the only chance we have. We should spend more time trying to acquire good deeds. We should be careful about our actions. Every little action counts. We have to look at makasabat, what every person has acquired. It's possible that we have done something, but it's also possible that it's not accepted. Any action that we do, we know if it's good or bad. And we can check. That if I were to do this in front of other people, would I do it? Or would I not do it? If the people knew about reality, and if I did this action in front of them, if I spoke a lie in front of them, would I do it or not? Because look at the ayah, it says, إِذَا جُمَعْنَاهُمْ Everyone will be gathered. All of the actions will be visible. Sometimes out of the fear of people in this dunya, we don't do certain things, or we do certain things. On the Day of Judgment, everything will be displayed. Basically, it's actions that are required of us. قُلِ اللَّهُمَّ Say, O Prophet Allahumma, O Allah. The Prophet is being commanded to say something. What is he being commanded to say? Allahumma malik al-mulk. O Allah, owner of sovereignty. تُؤْتِي الْمُلْكَ مَنْ you give sovereignty to whom you will. وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ And you take sovereignty away from whom you will. وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ You honor whom you will. وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ And you humble whom you will. بِيَدِكَ الْخَيْرُ إِنَّكَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ In your hand is all good. Indeed, you are over all things competent. قُلِ اللَّهُمَّ means, O oh Allah. But generally, O, oh, in Arabic, what does it mean? What is the word for it? Yeah. But Allahumma is translated as, O oh Allah, despite the fact that there is no ya. Yeah. And the word is, Allahumma. There is a meme at the end. Basically, this meme, Mushaddat, at the end, it replaces the ya, the hawf nida, at the beginning. And this is done only with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That instead of saying, Ya Allah, Ya is eliminated, and instead, at the end, Meem is added. Allahumma. 
Because when you say Ya Allah Ya comes before Allah And you want to say the name of Allah Immediately As soon as possible So Allahumma Oh Allah And this is done Only with the name of Allah So say Oh Allah Malik al-mulk The Malik of mulk Malik is one who owns something Malik is from the root letters Meem Lam Kaf And Malik is one who owns something One who has mulk So O oh Allah The Malik of mulk What does it mean by mulk? Mulk basically has two meanings First of all Mulk means kingdom What does it mean by that? That which is owned and possessed Possession Something that is owned Something that is possessed For example There is a king And he has his mulk What does it mean? That that mulk is under him Mulk is possession Something that is owned Something that is possessed Secondly The word mulk gives us the meaning of kingship What does it mean by that? To have authority To have possession of something So mulk has two meanings What are they? First of all, kingdom, that which is owned. And secondly, kingship, to have authority. And remember that this authority, this control, it is to have power, it is to have ability over something. And this kingship or this power, this authority could be a little and it could also be a lot. Meaning, a person could own just one house or he could own he could be the ruler. He could have authority over an entire country, an entire kingdom. Similarly, a person could be an owner of just a few things. And he could also be the owner of many, many things. He could be the owner of a few dollars. Or he could be the owner of hundreds and thousands of dollars. Similarly, this kingship, this authority could be in deen and it could also be in dunya For example A person could have authority Over something worldly Over something of this world For example You own your books You own your house You decide What you do with it You decide How you treat it And similarly A person could have Leadership or authority In deen What does it mean by that? That one person Is given superiority Over the other For example One person is made The messenger So Mulk means what? Kingdom and kingship That which is possessed And it also means to have possession To have authority And this authority could be a little It could also be a lot It could be with regards to worldly affairs And it could also be with regards to Religious affairs Dini affairs Over here Malik al-mulk Allah is the Malik of mulk what does it mean by that? He is the Malik of Mulk. He is the owner of Mulk. He is the master of Mulk. Meaning that he is the owner of all Mulk. Anything that can be owned. Anything that could be possessed. Anything that a person could have authority over. What does it include? The entire world. The entire heavens and earth. The entire creation. So Allah is the Malik of the entire mulk. Allah is the master of the kingdom. It belongs to Him. 
The entire heavens and the earth is whose possession? Allah's possessions. What do we say? Lahu mulku samawati wal To him belongs the dominion of the heavens and the earth. Then Malik al-Mulk also means that he is the Malik of Muluk. Meaning he is the Malik of all kings. All those who have authority. There are many people who have authority. Whether that authority is little or a lot. Whether that authority is with regards to worldly matters or religious matters. But who is above everyone? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because all of the kings, all of the leaders... All of those people who have authority over something, who have possession of something, they will end. They will die. Or their term will expire. You have a king, you have a leader, he becomes the president or he becomes somebody with authority. For how many years? Two years? Five years? Ten years? And eventually, he goes away. But who is still Malik? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at the end when everybody is gone, who will be the supreme Malik? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we learn in Surah Al-Furqan, Ayah 26, Al-Mulku Yawma Idin Al-Haqqu Lil-Rahman. Today, meaning on the Day of Judgment, true mulk, true sovereignty belongs to who? Al-Rahman. Maliki Yawmiddin, Master of the Day of Judgment. So say, O oh Allah, the Malik of Mulk. Now can you picture Malik al-Mulk? Can you understand it? Can you imagine it? He is the master. He is the owner of everything. And he is the one with most sovereignty. He is the master of all kingdom. He is above everything and everyone. So say, O Allah, Malik al-Mulk, the Malik of Mulk, tu'til mulka man tasha. You give mulk to whomsoever you will. Meaning from your creation, you give mulk, to whomsoever you will. Whether this mulk is possession or leadership or authority, whether it is in the deen or it is in the dunya, whether it is a little or a lot, who has complete authority over giving mulk as well? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he doesn't just own all the mulk, but he also has the authority to give it to whomsoever he wills. Til mulka man so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who bestows ownership to people. He is the one who bestows leadership to people. Whether that ownership is of property, of wealth, different sizes, different forms, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is a master of all sovereignty, who is the owner of sovereignty. You give sovereignty to whom you will. What is the context of revelation? When was this ayah revealed? We learn that when the Prophet ﷺ, when he migrated to Medina, many people accepted Islam, but there were some people who did not accept. In particular, who were they? The Bani Israel. Why? We learned earlier because of baghi, because of jealousy. That if we believe in him, if we follow him, we will lose our religious superiority. We will lose our religious leadership. This is what stopped them from believing in the Prophet ﷺ. When they were called to the book of Allah, they did not answer. They did not respond. They did not go. They did not submit. Why? Out of the fear of losing their religious leadership. Even today, many people don't come to the Qur'an. Why? Because they fear that they will lose their dunya. 
I don't want to study about riba because then I will lose my house. I don't want to learn about this because then I will lose my fame. I will lose my influence. People like me because of what I do. Because of how I look. And if I stop these things, people are not going to like me anymore. I'm going to lose my fame. It's something so interesting that sometimes girls when they're trying to wear the hijab, what's the biggest fear? I'm going to lose my friends. What are people going to think of me? I can't go like this in front of them. Just imagine the first day you wore the hijab. Or those of you, first day you wore the naqab. What was the feeling? What are people going to say? So it's the fear of people that sometimes stops us from doing what Allah wants us to do. What's the fear of people? That if I don't please them, they will not like me anymore. I will lose this influence. I will lose my friends. I will lose the way that I impress people. So, what does Allah tell us over here? That He is the Malik of Mulk and He gives Mulk to whomsoever He wills. Never because of the fear of losing dunya should we stop obeying Allah. Should we avoid obeying Allah? Never. This is what stopped the Bani Israel from accepting and this is what stopped from the people of Mecca also from accepting. Because the people of Mecca, they had especially the Quraysh, they had superiority over all the other tribes. Everybody would come for Hajj. And they had this superiority over them. If they were to accept Islam, they feared that people are going to come fight us and we're going to lose our leadership. What does Allah say? That He is the Malik of Mulk. Mulka man tasha. You give Mulk to whomsoever you will. وَتَنْزِعُ mulka, And you take away the kingdom. مِمَّنْ From whomsoever you will. You give mulk to whoever you will and you take away the mulk from whoever you will. Notice the word tanziru. It's from naza'a. And naza'a is to pull something away. Because nobody is willing to give away the mulk that they have. Whether that mulk is a little bit of money, whether that mulk is sometimes just a cookie, just something very small, something very tiny. Literally, it has to be pulled away from them. You pull away, you take away the mulk from whomsoever you will. And this is so true. Every day we hear, so-and-so became the president, or so-and-so has been removed. So-and-so became the leader, and so-and-so does not have leadership anymore. So-and-so became the in charge and now they're not the in charge tu'til mulka man mulka you take away the mulk from whomsoever you will the reality is that real mulk real ownership real authority belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everyone in this dunya one day they are going to leave their mulk they cannot take their authority their mulk with them to their grave. And while Allah has given the mulk to us, what should we remember? That we must not become arrogant. We must do what He is pleased with. Because sometimes it's this mulk that fools us, that deceives us. I have so much. I can do whatever I want. I can enjoy this. I can have fun. I can do whatever I want. But we forget that one day we are going to lose it. One day, it's going to be taken away from us. So while I have it, I must not displease my Rabb. 
Look at the Bani Israel. They had the mulk. They did not give it its haq. What happened? It was taken away from them. Leadership was taken away from them. All of the messengers from after Yaqub they came from who? From the Bani Israel. And then when they did not give the haq, they killed the prophets. They killed the messengers. They had this pride. What happened? It was taken away from them. It was given to the Banu Ismail, the unlettered people. تُؤْتِي الْمُلْكَ مَنْ وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ One support said, وَإِذَا حَمَلْتَ إِلَى الْقُبُورِ جَنَازَةً When you have carried a janazah, when you have taken a funeral procession to the graves, فَعْلَمْ بِأَنَّكَ بَعْدَهَا مَحْمُولٌ Then know that after it, you will be carried. Today, you are carrying someone to the grave. Tomorrow, you will be carried to the grave. وَإِذَا وُلِّيْتَ أُمُورَ قَوْمٍ مُدَّةً And when you are entrusted with the affairs of a people for a time, فَعْلَمْ بِأَنَّكَ عَنْهُمْ مَعْزُولٌ Then know that you will be one day removed from them. One day, the authority, the leadership that you have, it will be taken away from you. So don't get lost. Don't be fooled. That what you have today will remain with you forever. Allah can give it to you and Allah can take it away from you. What happens to us when we're given even the slightest of responsibility, slightest of authority? What happens to us? We become so arrogant. We become so happy. And we think we can do whatever we want. And we forget that this thing that I have today is not going to last with me forever. This has been given to me as a tool so that I can obey Allah more. I can obey Allah better. I can obey Allah in a different way, in another way. It's a different opportunity for me. We forget that. Abu Bakr Umar when they became the Khalifa, when they were given the leadership, what happened? Did they become arrogant? They became more humble. Remember, when a person becomes arrogant, because of the mulk that Allah has given him, it's quite possible that Allah will take away the mulk from him. So we should never ever be deceived by the mulk that Allah has given us. Fir'aun was given the mulk as well. He was deceived. And he claimed to be God. And it was taken away from him. He was finished. His entire civilization was finished. To the point that today, the writing that they wrote, people cannot read it. People cannot fully understand it. All of that culture, that knowledge they had, that civilization they had, it's finished. People cannot benefit from it. So, true mulk belongs to Allah. And if we have been given it for some time, we should be grateful to Allah. So, pride is something that affects our actions. And sometimes we have pride, why? Because we own um, a nicer car, or a nicer bag, or a nicer pen. My pen is better than hers. My sweater is better than hers. My hijab is better than hers. Sometimes it's these little, little things. If you think of it, that hijab that you have is a mulk. Allah could give it to you and He could take it away from you. So never forget that despite whatever we have, we are still the ibad of Allah. We are still the servants of Allah. And you honor whomsoever you will. The izzu from izza, ain zai zai. And what does izza mean? Honor, dignity, respect, value, 
Remember? Aziz, the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can be understood in different ways. First of all, Izzatul Qadr. What does it mean by that? To have value, to have dignity, to have honor, to have respect. So, to Izzu man tasha, you give Izzah to whomsoever you will, meaning you give Izzatul Qadr. In the sense that you give fame, you give glory, you give honor, you give respect, you give dignity to whomsoever you will. And Izza is also of Izzatul Qahr, which is to have dominance, to have authority, to have superiority. So you give that Izza as well to whomsoever you will. وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ And you humiliate whomsoever you will. Tudillu is from the Lam Lam. What does it mean by Dhillah? To be lowly. And Idlal is the opposite of Irzaz. To Izzu, Irzaz, to give Izza. Idlal, to give Dhillah. Opposite of giving Izza to someone. So what does it mean by Tudillu? That you humiliate. Opposite of honor and dignity. You honor and dignify whomsoever you will. On the opposite hand, you humiliate, you debase, you lower whomsoever you will. And Tudillu also gives a sense of that you bring low. Somebody who had Izza, somebody who had Qahr, someone who had authority, he is brought low. He is lowered. Man tasha, whomsoever you will. So the Izzu man tasha, by giving mulk, wa Tudillu man tasha, by taking away the mulk. بِيَدِكَ khair In your hand is all khair. So Allah gives power, Allah gives strength, Allah gives authority to whomsoever He wills. And He humbles, He abases whomsoever He wills. How does Allah give izza to someone? By giving him ilm, by giving him iman, by giving him money, by giving him wealth, by giving him the respect of people. وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ How does Allah give dhillah to whomsoever He wills? By Faqr, by poverty, by kufr, by being oppressed. And also it has been said that you give izzah to whomsoever you will. How? When a person obeys Allah. وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ How? When a person disobeys Allah. وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ You are the giver. You are the taker. You give whatever you wish. You take away whatever you wish. بِيَدِكَ khair. In your hand is all good. Al-khair is that which is good. In Allah's hand is that which is good. What does it mean? That it's only with Him. It's not with anyone else. It could also have been said that Al-khairu biyadik. Good is in your hand. But by saying biyadik al-khair, it specifies that khair is only in your hand. When yad comes first, what does it show? Specification. That it's only with you, no one else. Biyadik al-khair. And what does it mean by khair? Khair can be understood as help. It can be understood as different types of good. Wealth, prestige, honor, glory. So biyadik al-khair. You are the source of all good. Inna ka'ala kulli shayin qadeer. Indeed, you are over all things competent. So whatever that we have, it is from who? It is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because He gives to whoever He wills. He takes away from whoever He wills. We learn in Surah Al-Nahl, Ayah 53, وَمَا بِكُمْ مِن نِعْمَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ And whatever you have of favor, it is from who? From Allah. All good is in the hands of Allah. Now over here it has been said, بِيَدِكَ khair. In your hand is all khair. Now does it mean that shar is also in his hand? Obviously that's understood. That khair comes from Allah and shar also comes from who? Meaning it's whose decision? Allah's decision. 
It comes by whose will? Whose decree? Allah's decree. But remember that evil is not directly attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Over here, biyadikal khair has been mentioned and shar has not been mentioned. Why? Because it is disrespect. To ascribe evil to, to attribute evil to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also because there is nothing that is purely evil. There is no inherent evil. All things that Allah has created, they have a khair aspect and they also have a shar aspect. For example, money. You can use it to give sadaqah, to gain reward. And a person could also use his money to earn riba. There is good aspect and there is also evil aspect. Similarly, if you look at different animals, for example a snake, there is shar in it, how? That it bites. But at the same time, that ability of the snake that it can bite is a means of khair for who? For the snake. It's a means of protection for the snake. So, there is nothing that is evil in and of itself. There is no inherent evil, but everything that Allah has created, it has a good aspect and it has a bad aspect as well. And this is for a test for us. Then what do we do? Do we use the khair or do we go after the shar? Biyadikal khair, inna ka'ala kulli shayin qadir. Indeed, you are over all things competent. Now over here, izza and villa are mentioned. Remember that there are some things, if a person does, they bring izza to him. They are a source of honor for him. They bring dignity to him. And out of all those things that could bring honor to a person, what is the most important one? Or what is it that's at the forefront? It's iman. Belief in Allah. Correct belief. Correct belief is what brings izza to a person. Now it doesn't mean that a person should only become a believer or should only increase in iman, in his deen, in his amal, so that he can gain the izza of people. No, that would be incorrect. When a person is sincere, then automatically Allah gives him izza. As we learn in Surah Al-Munafiqun, Ayah 8, وَلِلَّهِ الْعِزَّةُ وَلِرَسُولِهِ وَلِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ And to Allah belongs all honor, and to His Messenger, and to the believers. So if there is a person who has everything of this world, who has leadership, who has money, who maybe has a lot of beauty, a lot of authority, but if he does not have iman, then he does not have izza. He may have izza in the sight of people, but he does not have any izza in the sight of Allah. Which is why, despite whatever he has, he will be thrown where? In the hellfire. Because he does not deserve any respect. Why? Because he does not have iman. Iman is what brings respect to a person. And on the other hand, there could be a person who doesn't have much of the dunya. But because he has iman, he has izza. For example, Bilal radiallahu anhu. Who was he? He was a slave. Imagine. But the Prophet ﷺ heard his footsteps where? In Jannah. Why? Because of his iman. He was made the mu'adhin. He used to give the adhan. Despite the fact that he used to be a slave before. Despite the fact that there were other people who were more wealthier than him. In their lineage they were better than him. In their looks probably they were better than him. But he was made the mu'adhin. This is their izza that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to a person who has iman. It is iman that brings izza to a person. And many times we abandon iman, we abandon our deen to gain izza, to gain glory, to gain fame. But it's actually quite the opposite. On the other hand, there are some things which if a person does, they bring him humiliation, they bring him disgrace. For instance, kufr, disbelief. 
Also, one more thing that brings humiliation to a person is ujb. To be in love with oneself. To be impressed by oneself. That I am so great. I am the best. This is ujb. Ujb is from? What does it mean? To be amazed. So when a person is amazed and impressed by himself, that look, I'm so righteous, I'm so pious, I do so much, I work so hard, I recite so well, I'm so hard working, I come every day. This is what ujb is. To be in love with oneself. This brings humiliation to a person. The Prophet ﷺ said, no believer should humiliate himself. When he was asked, how would a person humiliate himself? He said, by exposing himself to risks with which he cannot cope. For example, a person does something that he's not able to do. But he does it, why? To impress people. And he doesn't do it. Or he's not able to do it. And as a result, what does he do? He humiliates himself. For example, there's an action. There's some work that has to be done. Nobody comes forward. And you go forward saying, if I do it, everybody will be impressed. And then a person is not able to do it. And as a result, what does he do? He brings humiliation upon himself. So the Prophet ﷺ said, no one should humiliate himself. If a person wants honor, what should he do? Leave the deen? No, follow the deen. Obey Allah. Come closer to Allah. That is what brings honor to a person. قُلِ اللَّهُمَّ مَالِكَ الْمُلْكَ تُؤْتِ الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ بِيَدِكَ الْخَيْرِ إِنَّكَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Indeed, you are able over everything. And we see, especially in the context in which this ayah was revealed, that the Bani Israel, they did not accept. Why? Because they thought if we accept, we're going to lose our dunya. We're going to lose our izza, our mulk. But if a person obeys Allah, if a person believes, it is only then that he gets izza and mulk. It is also said that this ayah was revealed at the Battle of Trench, the Battle of Khandaq. What happened at that time? The Muslims had to dig the trench. And when they were digging the trench, there was one huge rock, one huge boulder that the Sahaba, the companions, they could not break, they could not remove. And it was preventing them from proceeding further in their digging the trench. So they called the Prophet ﷺ and he came and he struck the rock, he struck the boulder. And what happened? A very bright light, a shining light came out of that rock. And the Prophet ﷺ was shown the victory of Rome. And then what happened was that he struck another time and he was shown that he was victorious over Persia as well. So when the hypocrites and the Yahud, when they heard about this, they said, look at these people. They can barely save themselves. They're suffering from the cold. The enemy is standing right in front of them and they're dreaming of being victorious over Persia and Rome. So then this ayah was revealed that it is Allah who gives Izzah. Izza is not in your hands. Mulk is not in your hands. Mulk is in the hands of Allah. You do your best and Allah will give you. And it happened. The Muslims, they conquered Rome and they also conquered Persia. وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ اللَّيْلَ فِي النَّهَارِ You cause the night to enter the day. Tuliju is from the root letters which is to Make something enter into a tight and narrow place to penetrate. So, you make the night enter into what? Enter into the day. What does it mean by this? 
that when it comes time for the day to begin, the night is not switched off and the day is not turned on. But what happens? The process of the night departing is gradual and the process of the day coming is also gradual. As the night leaves, the day comes. So one enters and the other leaves gradually. Tulitul Layla fin Nahar has also been understood in another way. That you make the night enter into the day. How? That the night is entered into the time of the day so that the night becomes longer and the day becomes shorter. وَتُولِجُ النَّهَارَ فِي اللَّيْلِ And you make the day enter into the night. What does it mean by that? That you make the day enter and the night leave. Similarly, you make the length of the day increase and the length of the night decrease. تُولِجُ اللَّيْلَ فِي النَّهَارِ وَتُولِجُ النَّهَارَ فِي اللَّيْلِ Why is this mentioned right after? The ayah about Izza and Mulk. تُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ تُؤْتِ الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ Basically what we learn is nothing in this dunya is permanent. Mulk is not permanent. If a person has mulk today, he could lose it tomorrow. If a person does not have mulk today, he could have it tomorrow. If a person has izzah today, it could be taken away from him tomorrow. If a person has villa today, Allah could replace it with izzah tomorrow. Because night is not permanent. Day is not permanent. The night comes, the day leaves. The day comes, the night leaves. The night increases, the day decreases. The day increases, and the night decreases. Nothing in this dunya is permanent. So we see that night is not permanent, and therefore loss is also not permanent. Days of glory and days of humiliation in this dunya are not forever. They keep changing. Today one person has izzah, tomorrow he will have dillah. Today one person has dhillah, tomorrow he will have izzah. And we learn that this is exactly what happened. Muslims suffered so much in Makkah for 13 years. They suffered from dhillah with no mulk. And what happened? Allah took away the mulk from who? From the people of Makkah. And the Muslims, they had izzah, they had mulk in Medina. And eventually they conquered Makkah as well. تُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ تُولِجُ اللَّيْلَ فِي النَّهَارِ وَتُولِجُ النَّهَارَ فِي اللَّيْلِ So, a person should never become hopeless. Or a person should never become too proud. Like I'm in the middle of the day, the day is so nice and bright. The day is eventually going to come to an end. So do something before the day ends. The mulk that Allah has given you, do something good with it before you lose it. Before your days end. Similarly, if you're suffering from something today, the suffering is not forever. It's possible that it will turn tomorrow. So in every state, in every situation, what should a person remember? That he must obey Allah. He must do that which Allah is pleased with. وَتُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّدِ And you bring out the living from the dead. Allah brings out something that is alive from something that is dead. From something that is living, from something that is non-living. وَتُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ And you bring out that which is dead from that which is alive. وَتَرْزُقُ مَنْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ And you provide for whomsoever you will without any hisab, without any account. What does it mean by this? That you bring the living out of the dead and you bring the dead out of the living. What does it show? The power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. First of all, it has been said with regards to this. That some scholars have said that you take out 
the living from the dead that a living human being a living creation is created from what from a nutfa that is dead from a cell that on its own cannot do anything for example a chicken comes out of an egg and the egg comes out of a chicken so something alive comes out of something that is dead and something dead comes out of that which is alive similarly there is a human being who is alive there is a woman who is alive and she gives birth to a child that is dead still born so everything is in the hand of Allah secondly it has been said that what this means is that you bring out the seed from the plant the seed is what something that is dead and what is alive the plant so you take out the seed from the plant and on the other hand you take out the plant from the seed as well something alive from something that is dead something that moves from something that does not move something that grows from something that does not grow similarly the date from its seed and the seed from the date one stone one date stone what is taken out of it a whole tree and from the fruit that you eat the date that you eat what comes out from the middle a seed that you can't eat a seed that is dead so you take out the living from the dead and dead from the living because all power belongs to who belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this part of the ayah has been understood in another way as well and that is that you take out a believer from who from darkness from a disbeliever that there are parents who are disbelieving but they have a child who is a believer or there is a person who was a disbeliever and now he becomes a believer and on the contrary it's possible the parents are believing and the child is disbelieving because it's both ways you take out the living from the dead and the dead from the living so who is alive the one who has iman so knowledge iman is life and ignorance and kufr what are they death as we learn in the quran surah al-an'am awaman kana maytan fa'ahyaynahu waj'alna lahu nuran yamshi bihi fin-nas and is one who was dead someone who was dead and we gave him life how that he did not have any iman and we gave him iman and made for him light by which to walk among the people so iman is life and kufr is death so what does allah say over here that say that وَتُخْرِجُ الْحَيَّ مِنَ الْمَيِّتِ that you bring out the living from the dead and وَتُخْرِجُ الْمَيِّتَ مِنَ الْحَيِّ and you bring out the dead from the living وَتَرْزُقُ مَنْ تَشَاءُ تَرْزُقُ is from risk that you give risk to who? whoever you will how? بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ what does it mean by this بِغَيْرِ حِسَابِ this is understood as without any limit without any calculation that you don't calculate when you give sometimes when we're giving we calculate okay I've given these many dollars and these many cents I gave these many packets of chips and these many packets of chocolate we calculate but Allah gives without calculation meaning He gives generously so what it means by بغير حساب is that He gives generously and also it has been said that بغير حساب means that you give without taking any حساب meaning you give without taking any حساب meaning for free many times 
When we're given something by people, they want some hisab. Okay, what did you do with it? But when Allah gives, He gives it to us for free. There's no bail that comes. That you also have to pay this much, this much for this favor. No. وَتَرْزُقُ مَنْ تَشَاءُ بِغَيْرِ حساب. You provide whomsoever you will without any hisab. So what does it show? That true power, true mulk, true authority, it belongs to who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, if a person wants it, he should seek it from who? From Allah. How? By obeying Him. By doing that with which He is pleased. And if a person disobeys Allah thinking that he will get izzah, thinking that he will make more money, in fact, he is going farther away from his goal. If you want something, you will go to the one who has it, not away from the one who has it. Allah is the Malik of Mulk. He is the one who has complete power and authority. If you want a little bit of mulk, who will you go to? The one who has mulk. Go to Allah. Run to Him, not away from Him. Obey Him. Don't disobey Him. So true honor is in obeying Allah, not in disobeying Allah. Recitation. قُلِ اللَّهُمَّ مَالِكَ الْمُلْكِ تُؤْتِي الْمُلْكَ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتَنْزِعُ الْمُلْكَ مِمَّنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُعِزُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ وَتُذِلُّ مَنْ تَشَاءُ بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير تولج الليل في النهار وتولج النهار في الليل وتخرج الحي من الميت وتخرج الميت من الحي وَتَرْزُقُ مَنْ تَشَاءُ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ If we want izzah as Muslims, if we want mulk as Muslims, then what do we have to do? We have to change our actions. We have to do that with which Allah will be pleased. Because it's تُعِزُ مَنْ تَشَاءُ We have to be worthy of His شَاءُ If we're not worthy of His شَاءُ, why would He give it to us? And when a woman is alive and she is pregnant, then she gives birth to her child and the child is alive. But sometimes the woman has died, but the child that comes out is still alive. Is still alive. Because if the child is given birth to or is taken out immediately, then the child is still alive. So the woman has died, the mother has died completely. But the alive child, living child is taken out of the mother. Something that seems completely impossible. In whose hand is it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And sometimes if somebody has some mulk, some ownership, some possession, something that we wish we would have, some authority, some leadership that we wish we would have, what happens? We become jealous. And we forget that it's the decision of Allah. He is the Malik of mulk and He can give it to whomsoever He wills. What was the problem with the Bani Israel? Jealousy. Why not us? Why them? So, accepting the fact that other people have been given mulk, that is also accepting the decision of Allah.